name is Matt. Uh, I know I think most of you are in here. If you don't, I'm the community pastor here as well as kind of overseeing young adults. And you are at a thing right now called The House. You're probably curious of how we got that name. Well, there's a story in the Bible. The disciples are together. It says they're at, they're at the house. And uh, and they're together. The Holy Spirit comes down and they begin speaking in tongues, and Peter starts preaching, and three thousand people, three thousand people get saved. So if you read that, you're thinking, okay, they must. What kind of house were they in? You know, three thousand people. But if you study the scriptures, they called the temple, which was located in Jerusalem, they called that the house where they would go and worship. And this temple it was probably the greatest building built at the time. And inside of this temple was the Holy of Holies. And this was where the very presence of God was. And only one person could go in. It was the high priest. And he could go in one time a year. And they would tie a rope around him. Just in case he ain't been living right or something. This dude would fall over and they would just drag him out. But there was this... You, people would come from all around the world to worship God in His presence. And they would come to the house. Well, that temple no longer exists. You can go to Israel. It's not there. The Bible says that now when we gather because we're living stones built into the house of God. What that means is when we gather, this is the place where people can come experience the presence of God. And you're saying, well, Matt, God's everywhere. And He is. But there's something different about God's presence where two or three or four or 75 are gathered. And I've gotten to this place in my life where I'm, I'm tired of gathering as the house, as living stones, and not anticipating, not seeking the face of God. And that's what this is. We've come here for a purpose, to be the house of God, where people can come, where we can come and enter into the presence of God. So what we're about here is this once-a-month worship service, but more than that, we're about community. See, that same verse that says we're living stones, we're being built into something. We're not just a stone sitting on the side of the road. We're built into something. And what you ever notice, if you see a brick wall, that brick in the middle that you focus on, that brick is surrounded by other bricks. That brick is in a good place. It's safe. And so what we're also about is community. It's not about doing your own thing, your own way, isolated, but being together, living life in community, being protected, held accountable. If that's what the house is about, tonight we're going to look at a topic that, uh, to be honest with you, I've been struggling with lately. Um, the topic is worry, anxiety, and fear. I think all three of those things kind of go together. I think if you say you're worried, deep down you can kind of dig down and there's some kind of fear behind that worry. And I want you to understand this. This isn't a common problem to our culture. This is a problem that people have experienced throughout creation. And Jesus is going to hit on this in Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34. We're going to read these scriptures. And I want you to kind of, I've highlighted the kind of the, the main point of this text because it appears over and over again. And I want you to kind of follow along with me. Verse 25 says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, 
what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Neither, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. We're going to come back to that. He looks at this crowd and says, Oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, I study the Scriptures a lot. I can't think of any other text where Jesus beats in the same point over and over and over. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. Do not fear. If you study the Scriptures, the number one command, which means the number one, how, how many times it's in the Bible, is do not fear. And if you never fear, then anxiety never comes into play and worry never comes into play. And what Jesus is saying here is He doesn't want you to be anxious. And I thought about phrasing this in certain ways, but I could sit up here and tell you that worry and anxiety and fear are sinful. And that sounds like when I worry, I'm breaking a law. Right? I've mess, I'm messing up. But I want you to understand this. Sometimes we see sin as us breaking these laws. But it's actually a relationship. Jesus is looking at his people and saying, you don't have to worry because of me. Because of my relationship with you is the reason why you don't have to worry. And so when you worry, it's not that you're breaking another rule. It's that our relationship isn't where it's supposed to be. See, all of these commands that Jesus gives are relational. He's saying our relationship is going to be better if you don't worry so he gives us reasons not to worry. This is why I love about the Bible. The, the Bible argues. It gives us reasons. You see, Christianity is not this thing where you just have to believe blindly. So in this text we just read, Jesus gives us eight reasons of why not to worry. Again, I can't think of another text in the Bible where Jesus is going to say, okay, don't do this, and here's why. And again, I think that shows how much he loves us. Because he could have just looked at these people and said, don't be anxious. Stop worrying. And left it at that. But instead, he breaks down these reasons. The first reason he gives us is, life is more than food and body, and it's more than clothing. Saying all these things you're seeking, like life is bigger than that. Second thing he says is, God feeds the birds, and you are more valuable than they are. He's, he, again, he's saying, this is how valuable you are. This is a relationship thing. The third thing he says is, is worry is pointless. college professor did a study. He said that 40% of all the things we worry about will never happen. 30% of what we worry about is in the past and can't be changed. 
10% of what we worry about relates to health, which is kind of funny because worry will actually kill you. And 8% of all worry is legitimate. And when I say legitimate, it's not excusable. It's not like, well, this is my 8%, Lord. Give me a break. No, 8% of our worry is, is, could actually happen, right? You got a test coming up. There's a the doctor's appointment. You just got some bad news. Only 8% of all your worry or anxious thoughts carry any water at all. Saying worry and anxiety is pointless. The word we get to describe anxiety or worry means to choke and to strangle. The fifth thing he says is if God clothes the grass, he will clothe you. Again. If he does this for the grass, what will he do for his children? The sixth thing he says is unbelievers are anxious about stuff. And you are not an unbeliever. You see, when things happen at your work, right? And there's layoffs. Or something's going on at school. Or you get, a, again, a bad, bad news from the doctor. The world is going to look at you and how you react. Because the world worries. That's what they do. They don't have any other option but to worry. And so one of our trademarks as believers is we don't worry. Like you should be known in your group of friends or if you're hanging around unbelievers, is that's the guy that doesn't worry. As Christians, we should be like, man, they're, they're crazy. They just never worry. They don't, they don't worry about anything. Like that is our trademark. The seventh thing he teaches is, listen, your father knows you need all these things that you're worried about. Again, this is relationship. See, a father that doesn't know your needs isn't much use. But a father that knows what you need and he claims that he is a good, good father means that we don't have to worry. See, I think if you understand this, if he's the father, it's his job to take care of all that. When you were a child, did you worry about the LG&E bill? Did you? No, I never even, I didn't even know that was until I was 30, right? That was sad, but I didn't do an adult thing until I was 30. But I never worried about the LG&E bill. That's what God's saying. He's like, I got this. Children don't worry. Then he says this, when you seek first God's kingdom and righteousness, Everything you're going to need, He's going to take care of. And the ninth thing is this. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Tomorrow's trouble stays there. So, my wife, she's not here. She's at work tonight, but she has, she has some anxiety sometimes. And, and I, I, I struggle to like relate sometimes. So now we, we put this rule. If it's any further than 24 hours out, we don't talk about it. Right? We're going to deal with today. That's all, that's all we can deal with is today, and tomorrow God's going to give us grace to deal with that. Now, it doesn't say, like, you got a test on Friday, or oh, I'll deal with it tomorrow, right? That's not to say that. You take care of business, but you don't worry about things that you can't do anything about. Tomorrow's going to have enough trouble of its own. God will give you what it, He gives you to get through the day. Charlie Brown once said this, I have developed a new philosophy. I only dread one day at a time. There's some wisdom here. So we see that God doesn't want this for our lives. In our relationship, there should be no worry, anxiety, or fear. But I'll tell you this, that 
all of these things when they sound in our life, they're a result of lack of trust in God. If you want to get down to the core of why we fear, worry, and have anxious thoughts is we don't trust God. Because in the middle of this passage in verse 30, he looks at this crowd and says, Oh, you of little faith. Anybody feel like that? Four times does Jesus look at someone and say this. He looks at this group and says, Oh, you of little faith. Later, he's with his disciples in the boat and they're afraid for their lives. He stands up and commands the storm to be quiet, and he looks at them and says, Oh, you of little faith. He then looks at Peter when he's walking on the water. Peter begins to look at the waves and become worried, and he says, Oh, you of little faith. And another time, the disciples are in the boat with the man, the God, who just fed 5,000 people with a happy meal, and they're worried about what they're going to do with lunch. And he looks at them and says, oh, you of little faith. And what that tells you is fear, worry, and anxiety cannot exist with faith. Now, faith is one of those Christian words that I think we've lost touch with. Our English language doesn't translate it very well. When I think of faith, here's a simple way. It's trust. You can't trust God and be afraid and worry. You can't do it. They don't go together. They cannot coexist. You see, the Christian who worries is really thinking, God, I know you mean well about what you say, but I'm not sure you can pull it off. Anxiety is blatant distrust of the power and love of God. You see, fully trusting our Father dispels anxiety. The more we know about Him, the more we trust Him. If your concept of God is right, and you see Him as owner of your life, controller of your life, and provider of your life, and you will not have anything to worry about. When you worry, you are saying, God, I just don't think I can trust you right now. And I know that's harsh, but we have to admit that. We have to be able to say, okay, I'm worrying right now. That means I'm not trusting God. Because worry has become so much a part of our culture that we just accept it. That's just part of who we are. I worry. My family takes pride in it. My aunt, if she hears an ambulance, she calls everybody in the family just to make sure. She takes pride in that worry because that's a part of our culture. But worry comes down to not trusting God. You see, all those arguments that Jesus laid out, there are no good unless you believe them. Unless you believe that he actually is a good, good father and he knows what you need and he's going to take care of it. He's not worried about a thing. See, but here's the thing. Stand up here and say, we've got to stop worrying. When you worry, you're not trusting in God. And all that's good, but what does that mean for us? You know? One of my favorite scenes is in Braveheart. He gets up in front of the army and he gives this incredible speech, right? They may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Everybody's like, yeah. He comes back and his buddy looks at him and goes, great speech, but now what do we do? Right? So what do we do if we know, all right, worry's a sin. It hurts my relationship with God. I'm not trusting him. There's three things we're going to kind of build up. You're not going to leave here like a light switch and all of a sudden be, okay, I'm, I'm done. 
But you have to build these muscles we're going to talk about. These three things you have to build up, right? Like, I can't leave here and go run a marathon. But if I trained and I built these things up, eventually I'd be able to do it. Now, not worrying is not this light switch that we flip. It's these muscles that we're going to build up. And the first thing, first muscle that we're going to build is prayer. We have to pray. See, the connection is simple. Is trusting that God cares about your anxiety is expressed in prayer. Prayer is the trust turned toward God and spoken. When you trust in God, you pray. Look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. I'm going to read that again. Anything, right? That word actually means there is nothing that you should be anxious about, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Leave that verse up because we're going to talk about it. So the substitute, when you get rid of anxiety, you substitute that with prayer. During World War II, a German freighter, an armed German freighter, picked up a missionary whose ship had been torpedoed. He was put into the hold. He was so terrified that he wouldn't close his eyes. He was afraid at any moment they would come in and kill him. But sensing the need to adjust his perspective, he said this is how he got through the night. I began talking with God, and he reminded me of the 121st Psalm that says this, Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. It says this, Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. So he said to the Lord, Lord, there isn't really any use for both of us to stay awake, so I'm going to get some sleep. He replaced his fear and anxiety with thankful prayer, and all of a sudden the peace of God rushed into his life. And he was able to close his eyes. You see, you're worried and you pray. And when you pray, peace comes. And here's the good part. That peace now stands and guards the door. It's going to guard your mind. It's going to guard your heart. Now, this is cool. This is, you kind of hit me this week. But when I think of peace right now, this is the person I think of. I got a picture of it. Somewhere. somewhere. No, back. No. Yes, God. This is a bounce. Nope. Bouncer at a club. This is peace. Why? Because he's not letting anything in that doesn't belong, right? Anybody in their unsaved years went to these places, right? I've been there, right? He ain't letting you in unless you're on the list. That's what peace does. When worry and anxiety, nope. Peace says you ain't getting in, right? Peace guards your heart and your mind. He stands at the door and peace says, nope, you're not getting in. Because guess what Satan's going to do? Then put that one thought in your mind. That one thought in your mind. The other day, we're sitting there with my wife, and all of a sudden she's like, you know what, i got to take this test in like four months. What if I don't pass? I said, it's four months away. That's about three months, 30 days, and 10 hours for me talking about it, right? That's a long way off. But that one thought can get you down this path, and that's peace. He's not letting anything in. 
But here's the problem. Most of y'all's minds, because of our prayer life, most of our minds are like Walmart. And you got a greeter, right? That old lady. She's just letting everybody in. Come on in, right? You're worried. You're anxious. Come on in. I got a picture of this lady. She's right here. She's letting everybody in, right? Some of y'all's hearts and minds are guarded by her. And she's letting everything in, right? Then there's this guy. He's just going to hug all the worry and anxiety. Come on. You're worried about what's going to happen next week? Come on in, right? This is, I know it sounds silly, but this is some of our minds and hearts. Because we're not building that muscle of prayer, our mind is letting everything in. Things that don't even make sense. And you know they don't make sense. Because when you say them out loud, you're like, that's crazy. I don't know why I'm worried about that. Because this guy's guarding your door. So we have to build this muscle of prayer. Because when we pray, God promises peace. We build the muscle of prayer. Second thing we build the muscle of is be thanks. Look at the verse after that in verse 8. It says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This shoots down the notion that you don't control your thoughts. The Bible is very clear. You control everything in your mind. This is why it says, if there's a thought in there that you don't like, you take it captive. You hold it up to the truth of the Word of God. You control what you think about. That's a muscle that we have to constantly be building. Because Satan's going to put a thought in your mind, and you've got to say, no, I control this. Is this true? Is this honorable? Is this just? You've got to hold it up to this. You see, this trust in God comes from hearing, the Bible says. And most of our hearing comes from our own thoughts. See, according to the Lord's teaching, faith and trust is primarily about thinking. See, the Bible is full of logic. We must never think of faith as some, something mystical that we just have to believe in something we can think about, we can set our minds on. But what should we think about? I'm just going to use that first word. Think about what is true. If you can just begin to flex that muscle, that every thought comes into your mind, okay, is this true? Because I can't tell you how many people I've been walking through life lately that they're just believing lies. Satan is putting lies in there, and they're just believing on them. And instead of taking that thought and saying, okay, is this true? Do I need to be thinking about this? They let that lie just go wild. We have to develop this muscle of thinking the right things, controlling our thoughts. And the last thing we have to do is to learn to cast. Look at 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. It said, humble yourselves Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. The Apostle Peter wrote this. Three out of the four times that God looked at someone and said, Oh, if you have little faith, three of the four times Peter was in the crowd. Peter was a warrior. He was anxious about the waves. He was worried about... Jesus getting arrested, pulled out the knife. 
Even when Jesus said, listen, i got to go to the cross and get killed, he pulled you aside and said, here you He's constantly worrying because he didn't trust God. And so he writes this and he says, listen, take all your anxieties and cast them on God because he cares for you. Now, this word casting, we've got to get this. Some of y'all are thinking fishing pole, right? I know Lou is, right? Cast that, throw out the fishing pole. That's when I think casting, but Steve, could you bring that jacket right there on the uh, table right here? Yeah. I want to really show y'all what it means to cast. And this is a, this is a visual that we, have to, that we have to understand. So this is my favorite jacket. My wife hates it because she says it's ugly, but it's a Star Wars limited edition jacket. It unzips and the, the hood becomes wings. So, yeah, that's that. So, the word cast is found a couple of times in the Bible. There's one story where Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, and it says people took off their jackets or cloaks, and they cast them onto the donkey before he got on there. Right? Well, here's the picture of casting. It says, I want you to cast every anxiety onto the Lord. And this is amazing that God would use himself in this because most of the time that illustration is someone taking something off and putting it on to worship. And here's what I've been guilty of so many times. Is I've been worried about something. I'm like, alright Lord, I'm worrying about this. I need you to help me deal with it. I'm accepting that it's going to stay. I'm just asking for the provision to deal with it. But he's saying, no, 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 no. I want you to take that worry, that anxiety, and I want you to lay it on me. Not, dear Lord, help me deal with this, but dear Lord, I'm giving this to you. I'm no longer in possession of it. I'm going to cast it on you, and I'm done with it. Gotta learn to do that. You've got to stop going to God and saying, Alright, God, I'm dealing with this. I need you to help me deal with it. Because he says, Listen, I'll be your workhorse. You take that worry and you throw it on me. Let me take it. So we pray. The peace of God begins to guard our hearts and minds. And we start to control our thoughts. We don't let those lies in. And then we take every anxiety that we have and give it to God. And he promises that that peace will pass all understanding. You won't even be able to understand why you have peace. You won't even be able to comprehend it. Lord, we thank you that you are a Father who knows what we need. And you call us children and say, children, don't worry. I've got this. We thank you that you are asking us to bring our cares and our worries and to cast them on you. And I ask that you give us the strength to start to build these muscles, Lord. We love you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.